podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello guys, what is going on? Daniel Charles back here again for another show. I hope you're doing well. Hope you're keeping safe wherever you're watching or listening to this. It's a mailbag today answering your questions on Chelsea that you submitted on Twitter and also via my YouTube community page. The end, just coming off the back of a week that was an amazing week to be a Chelsea fan, really, in the context of this season and levels of enjoyment, beating Leeds, beating Borussia Dortmund and, of course, beating Leicester at the weekend. It's a good time to be a Chelsea fan and that feels like a rarity. We've been crying out for some joy this season and we finally got it. So got to savour it. We don't know how long it's going to last, but obviously this week on the channel, uh, going to be going for any news that comes out, but then also building up to Everton on the weekend at Stamford Bridge. If you are new around here and want to see more Chelsea, Obviously, content on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and the notification bell so you don't miss any of my uploads. Also, you can listen to the show as a podcast, link in the description box below. And if you are listening on the podcast feed, thank you so much for tuning in. Son of Chelsea is a part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. But let's get into your questions. Firstly, here on Twitter via Tommy. With how Koulibaly has been playing recently, do you think Chelsea should keep or sell him? My answer would have been a little bit different maybe a month or two ago, but Koulibaly has come back into the team. Uh, I think since basically the, the first leg of the Dortmund game and really impressed. He's looked really assured. I think he's given those things that we saw briefly at the start of his Chelsea career that we thought we were getting from an experienced defender like Kalidou Koulibaly. But I think it's a combination of Koulibaly at the moment, just on his performances, is positioning and also his own performances. I think in the middle of a back three where he's being asked to, to do things maybe a little bit more simplified, he isn't being asked in sort of a back two to, to go into wide areas. He's got mobile players around him now that I think really helps him. And maybe he just has adapted to the Premier League. I think with the contract we've given him, with maybe the wages, it's probably unlikely Chelsea get a massive fee for him, anything close to what we paid for him. And, and that was always the case. It was, you know, it was never going to be kind of a high sell-on fee for Kalidou Koulibaly given the contract and age we got him for. But maybe if you're thinking that, say, Cesar Espelicueta is going to move on this summer, if other players move on, just for squad depth, you keep Koulibaly with that experience level for another season with sort of the knowledge that probably Levi Colwell's coming back in. Um, and if we're going to play back three, then it makes sense to keep more centre-backs. That's just obvious. Uh, but for now, he's doing well. He's playing. So probably, yeah, I, I think I would keep him. Tom asks, if Mason Mount doesn't sign a new contract, is it game over for our pursuit of Declan Rice? I don't think it is. Obviously, a lot is made of, of Declan Rice and Mason Mount's friendship. I, quite clearly, that would have some positive influence over um, Declan Rice wanting to come to Chelsea, an environment he already knows very well. His family supports the club. We, we've gone through this a million times. I don't think it should or will influence either Chelsea's uh, pursuit of Declan Rice or the players' kind of interest in coming to Chelsea or not. Like, I, I don't think that that would make much difference. And I don't think it should over Declan Rice, sort of his individual career, where he wants to go. Because, you know, despite Mason Mounts and, and that friendship that could work obviously very well on the pitch as well off at, at Chelsea, you know, Declan Rice has got to think about his own career. And uh, the Mason Mount situation is a completely different thing. Obviously, I'm pretty sure those two players are speaking to each other and have probably in recent years, uh, but I can't see that being defining. And I, even if Mason Mount does leave Chelsea, I would still think that Chelsea and Chelsea should still go after Declan Rice. That shouldn't be a deal breaker in my view. Davidos asks, is a back five the long-term future for Chelsea? It's a difficult question to answer because there is a lot of me that thinks that 
Potter is doing sort of going back to the 3-4-3 because of maybe history at Chelsea in recent years and and just kind of pragmatism of, of what's going to get him results with a big squad with the context of of his difficulties as Chelsea head coach. I think we would get a clearer picture over the summer if, say, if he does have more license, if we do clear out players he doesn't want anymore and you do bring in maybe a couple who do suit his game, does he change the formation again and maybe goes to a back four? Because there were rumours over sort of the Christmas period that he actually was looking to go to a back four for the long term. But then when you look at his first 10 games as Chelsea head coach, he was playing a back three and then moved away from it. And if you look at his career at Brighton, he did like that flexibility, but he did mainly play a back three a lot of the time. Um, he he liked to have that sort of change in formation and, and, a, and a group of players that were flexible enough to alter into, say, a 4-3-3 three, three or a 3-4-3, whatever it was, at the, at what he needed. A little bit like what I think Tuchel wanted to do at Chelsea. It's having that flexibility within your squad that's important. So, I, and also I do just want to point this out in terms of, a back five winning a Premier League. There isn't a lot of evidence to it. I mean, Conte, for his for his brilliance in that first year at Chelsea, mastered it. But that formation, unfortunately, for a variety of reasons, became stale very quickly. And I think it was the same situation, well, same situation you're seeing at Tottenham now after, you know, the success he had last year, getting him into the Champions League, how stale it looks now. And also the, how stale it looked under Conte in the second half of the 17-18 season. I think Tuchel ran into similar problems. It's how you're going to evolve that system. And it is so heavily reliant, particularly on Ben Chirwell and Reese James, those wing backs being as dynamic as they can be. Because if that fails, I think that system loses a lot of its energy and weight. Of course, there are other variables to it, but uh, it's working for him at the moment. So I think it will be for, if we're talking long-term in like the next few months, I'm not quite sure in years to come whether it stays like that, given how it works and, and whether there is a, a ceiling to it under Graham Potter. Pavel asks, do we need both Felix and Nkunku for the new season? That's a, that's an interesting question because, again, I think there's so many variables around this um, in terms of who stays, who goes, Joao Felix, what could what is going to be asked at Chelsea to potentially buying him permanently. Hear that? That's the sound of the 2023 Chevy Silverado's 2.7-liter high-output turbo engine, delivering 430 pounds per foot of torque with no compromise durability. Impressive power, whether you're helping friends move or just moving some friends. Thanks. This is the sound of a family with plenty of rear seat room to enjoy the ride. And most importantly, this is the sound of you heading to your local Chevy dealer today for a test drive. Find your Silverado and find new roads. Chevrolet. And also the assessment of his loan move. Has it been enough of a success to pay that money for Joao Felix, who then would come as a very integral part of the team? He's being used as a very integral part of the team, but given what we paid to get him just on loan, that's understandable. Uh, and in, you, you know, you look at Christopher Nkunku, you know, he is kind of at times, you could argue he is a little bit of a positionless player. You know, he can play as a, a 10. He, he likes to drop a little bit deeper. He is maybe more of a fluid player, as you'd like to say. And then you've got Kai Havertz. Do you really want three of those players in your squad, particularly on higher wages? I think that's that's a big question for the new ownership to, to talk about. But if a Mason Mount, say, was to leave, if other players in that attacking area, like Hakim Ziyech, Christian Pulisic, it obviously opens up space, doesn't it, for, for players in the squad. And it's not like those players, to, you know, I think there'd be people who'd be very excited to see a, a, a team play with Felix and Nkunku and what those two players could do together, potentially with Felix dropping off, Nkunku running in behind with his speed, potentially Kai Havertz as well. That's kind of fantasy football, but for the time being, I'm not entirely sure because I think Felix still, I think there is a, as much of a chance of him returning to Atletico Madrid as there is of him staying financially, but also 
what are we getting from Felix in terms of the next few months? Is it really going to, is it justifiable when you you are investing on Nkunku and you want to make him a big part of your team? I'm not entirely sure that's going to work out. Konev asked, what are our chances of winning the Champions League from your perspective? I, you know, the magic of the Champions League and our history with it, with, with players within the current squad who have experience now of, of winning a Champions League, I think that's going to be, that could prove very defining over the next few months and could really help Graham Potter. Um, in some key knockout games. You can't moan if Chelsea get a really difficult draw in the Champions League now because that's the Champions League. Once you get into the last eight, I don't think you can complain about difficult draws because it's the best, it's supposed to be the best eight teams in European football. So it likely will be, whoever it is, will be a difficult game for Chelsea. The one thing I would hope is that if we get a situation like we did in 2021 where we're away from home first. I think that's a massive help for Chelsea, as you saw against Borussia Dortmund. Having second leg advantage at home, I think, is huge in these situations. Particularly with no away goals anymore, I think it, it, it even helps more to have that home advantage in the second leg. Um, but magic happens. And particularly with the Premier League, if the Premier League you know, kind of dwindles out a little bit and Chelsea aren't going to get Champions League football, then of course that becomes a, a massive focus for these group of players. And we saw in 2012 how big that was. They were kind of putting all their energy into those Champions League games. And we've got talent in this squad. We really do. And and it's always been that thing when you look at the talent available and when they come together, what could be created and and that sort of siege mentality, a bit of, of, of that crowd getting behind the team and believing that we can do it again. That's massive. Having that history and recent history of us lift, lifting this competition is, is massive, I think, for these group of players. So... Let's just say we're in the hat and, and I don't think we're the favourites, but I don't think many people would want to face us in the quarterfinal. I really, I, I I think there'd be other teams thinking, not sure we want Chelsea right now um, for the rest of the season. So that makes it a possibility that we could go all the way again. And finally, Sharan asked, Potter till the end of the season and then replace if a world-class manager becomes available or risk losing another pre-season and transfer window and being in the same position with the same excuses next season if we have to sack mid-season. It's a tough situation. This question is obviously assuming we are in the same position as we are currently with no real insight or progression into his style of playing yeah that that in itself is is a massive you know hypothetical um I think for Potter it's just getting to the preseason and as I've been saying since January you know it's about assessing what happens in preseason and also what how we feel in May I think is also just a obviously a real conversation um of how the season ends if it ends in a really optimistic way and that's obviously when the Champions League that makes the season doesn't it they're, they're completely different uh, complexion of the way we look at Chelsea if, if that happens and, and the power that would give Graham Potter but it's not that he uh, you know that's the only way he I think he gains power and the only way he's able to to keep to stay in his job and, and prove that he could be a very good coach for Chelsea it's also about the the style of play it's looking af- effective as a team it's it's progressing and and seeing players play well, seeing a majority of players improve under him, like we have seen in the last few games, that has to happen for a longer period of time. Uh, but no, I, I if it, you know, there's no point if if Chelsea do, let's say we keep on winning games, and we're not going to win every game between now and the end of the season. But let's say we pick up a few more big wins, and there's a few more games and, and a few more moments that make Chelsea fans connected to Graham Potter away from home, maybe in the Champions League. If he gets to a Champions League semi final, I think that's a real positive and you know badge for him. Uh, as a head coach, particularly an English head coach, to get to that level. I don't think there's a point in changing head coach then. I just, I think that'd be maybe a little bit flippant, particularly when the 
you know, if you're going to make a change, I think you should have done it already. You know, if, if the if the current ownership were not behind Graham Potter, that doesn't mean that he gets no accountability at the start of next season if it goes really wrong. Of course, you still need to have that conversation if it is going really wrong. But I think that'd be a bit flippant. And I think it would be fair then to give Graham Potter his preseason to see what he does with the squad and also to really trim down this squad and then see the impact that has over his power of this squad to not have so many sort of... Um, players that are grumpy in your dressing room because it's kind of an impossible situation to work through for any head coach at the moment to have a squad of like 33 players is just completely ridiculous so to want so once you trim down that squad and bring in maybe a couple more players that suit his style maybe a striker maybe another central midfielder and then bring in players like Nkunku and Gusto who hopefully round out that squad a lot more then we make a firmer judgment call, I really do. So I, I don't think, unless it goes, if it goes disastrously from now until the end of the season and the mood goes way back to where it was to say against Spurs, then I think it's a different conversation. But that is it for the mailbag. Thank you so much for taking the time to watch and listen. You can follow me on Twitter at Son of Chelsea and I will see you again very soon. All the best. Sports Social Podcast Network.